Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Suncor Energy second quarter earnings call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand a conference over to your speaker today, Mr. Trevor Bell, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and good morning. Welcome to Suncor's second quarter earnings call. With me this morning are Mark Little, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Alistair Callan, Chief Financial Officer. Please note that today's comments contain forward-looking information. The actual results may differ materially from the expected results due to various risk factors and assumptions that are described in our second quarter's earnings release as well as our current annual information form. Both of these are available on CDAR, EDGAR, and our website, Suncor.com. Certain financial measures referred to in these comments are not prescribed by Canadian GAAP. For a description of these financial measures, please see our second quarter's earnings release. Following formal remarks, we'll open up the call to questions. Now I'll hand it over to Mark for his comments. Great. Well, thanks, Trevor, and good morning, and thanks, thank you, everybody, for joining us. In late May, we held our Investor Day, and at that event, we detailed our five-year plan, which focuses on value capture of our integrated business model. Building on the growth phase from 2015 to 2019, this optimization phase is governed by extracting increasing value from our business through enhancing margins, lowering our our cost structure, providing increased shareholder returns, and fortifying the balance sheet with significant deleveraging. In comparison to the growth phase, we will lower our economic capital by 40%, and add new revenue streams at mid-teens returns. The optimization phase is expected to deliver significantly higher shareholder returns, including a 25% dividend CAGR through 2025 and continued stock buybacks. At the same time, we'll maintain a $35 US WTI break-even and retire debt, strengthening the long-term financial health of the company. Foundational to this performance is our steadfast focus on operational excellence. By increasing the productivity and efficiency of our operations, optimizing the value of each barrel, and thereby increasing free funds flow, we will grow cash returns to shareholders and fortify our financial position. The second quarter results delivered our focused objectives, namely operational excellence, lower costs, and increase shareholder returns. I'm going to go into each area in a bit more detail. Our focus on operational excellence continues to result in strong operating performance. Our operating performance from November to June of 2021 
marks the best months of production from our oil sands operations asset in our company's history. That's the best eight months of production in 50 plus years. Base plant utilization was 98% over this period. And we had yet another quarterly record at in situ with 253,000 barrels per day. We also completed significant turnarounds at all of our refineries, as well as at Syncrude and Buzzard, and at the same time generated funds flow from operations of $2.4 billion. Approximately 40% or 1 billion of these funds was returned to shareholders in the forms of dividends and buybacks. Since we began the buyback program in early February through to the end of July, we have bought back over 42 million shares for $1.2 billion, representing approximately 3% of the outstanding shares. Turning now to operating performance. Oil sands operations production of 460,000 barrels per day was approximately 10,000 barrels per day higher than the first quarter, reflecting strong and reliable operations. From a utilization perspective, base plant operated at an average utilization of 96% in Q2, continuing a strong trend. Meanwhile, the operating performance at in situ from November 20 20 to June 2021 averaged 250,000 barrels per day, making it the highest daily production period in nearly 20-year history for Firebag and Mackay. Executing the nameplate capacity increase at Firebag last October contributed to this record production. In terms of costs, Second quarter cash operating costs at oil sands operations were $23.85 per barrel. Looking at the last eight months, oil sands operations averaged $23.50 in cash operating costs per barrel. We've achieved these types of unit costs before, but what makes our 2021 performance stand out is that we fully absorbed over a 100% increase in natural gas price versus the previous periods with similar unit cost results. That's approximately $1 a barrel increase being absorbed by reducing costs elsewhere. Syncrude production of 110,000 barrels per day includes the impact of significant turnaround at their largest coker. All planned scope, including some of the uh, planned for this fall, was completed within budget. All three cokers are online and operations are fully lined out for a solid second half of the year. While we went through this in detail at Investor Day, it's important to recall that this asset's operating performance is steadily improved and we have a clear line of sight into synergies and reliability to achieve sustainable $30 per barrel cash operating costs. At Fort Hills, Production of approximately 45,000 barrels per day reflects the updated mine plan that we discussed on the first quarter call, specifically building ore inventory for ramp up towards a two-train operation. By the end of the quarter, the ore inventory build was slightly behind schedule with access to additional contractor equipment and labor taking more time to ramp up than expected. We now have most of the additional contract resources uh, in the mine 
and we expect that we'll be fully ramped up by the end of August. Subsequent to the quarter, we realized that we would need to change the slope of the south mine face to maintain slope integrity, as this part of the mine will form a critical permanent pillar between Fort Hills and the Sincrude Aurora mines. This will delay our ramp up of Fort Hills to two trains until the end of 2021, as the south mine face contained approximately 60% of our ore inventory that we thought was available. So to access this ore, we'll need to mine more overburden, which is just gonna take some additional time. Obviously, given the mine is very early in its life, our flexibility to ramp up earlier is limited. As a result, Fort Hills plans to continue on one train at the current production level for the remainder of the year, with a transition to both primary extraction trains beginning late 2021 to enable full production in early 2022. 2021 annual guidance for Fort Hills production and cash operating costs have been updated to reflect these changes. There's no change to our long-term view on costs as discussed at our May 26th Investor Day. Namely, we expect costs to continue to improve every year towards a cash cost target of $20 a barrel by 2024. In our E&P operations, generally volumes were consistent with the first quarter, other than Buzzard, which fully executed its turnaround in the second quarter. With our downstream segment, throughput of 325,000 barrels per day included planned turnaround activities across all our refineries. This was an opportune time for this activity as stay-in-place orders continued in Canada throughout the quarter and broader North American refining complex faced a continued challenged macro environment. As we discussed previously, we built refined product inventories to support the planned turnarounds. With turnarounds complete and demand increasing across Canada as COVID restrictions are lifted, we are confident about our downstream strength and positioning for the second half of the year. We expect the U2 turnaround at base plant to begin in early August, having a production impact of approximately 125,000 barrels per day in the third quarter. We anticipate partially offsetting the impact of the turnaround via increased bitumen sales to market. Our decision to swiftly respond and stagger maintenance activities when COVID cases surged in the region specifically pushing the U2 turnaround from Q2 to Q3, enabled us to complete the planned scope at the Simcrude turnaround and ensure safe and reliable operations across the assets. This was the right approach, considering the strong operational performance at base plant and no material change to the scope or cost of the planned turnaround. We have completed one of the most significant maintenance schedules in our history during this quarter. While this has had an impact on production and costs at Syncrude and refineries in the quarter, we're now running at full rates and sets the stage for strong results in the second half of 21 and into 2022. In closing, I wanted to emphasize that our business model and philosophy, regardless of short-term volatility, will remain laser focused on operational excellence, capital discipline, long-term shareholder value creation, and returning that value to shareholders while fortifying our balance sheet by continuing debt reduction. 
Alistair, I'll now hand it over to you for the financial highlights. Thanks, Mark, and good morning, everyone. For the second quarter, we have returned approximately $1 billion to shareholders in the form of $350 million in dividends and $650 million in share repurchases. During the quarter, our buyback amounts to approximately 23 million shares at an average price of $28 per share. In addition, we have received approval from the Toronto Stock Exchange to increase our share buyback program from 44 million shares, or approximately 3% of Suncor's issued and outstanding common shares, to 76 million shares, or approximately 5%. In the second quarter, as Mark highlighted, Suncor generated $2.4 billion of funds from operations. The business environment continued to strengthen in the quarter, with WTI increasing $8 per barrel, or 14%. This flows through to realizations with an average price of oil sands crude basket increasing by $10 per barrel, or approximately 16% versus Q1 despite the strengthening Canadian dollar averaging 81 cents during the quarter. This translated into approximately $300 million of additional upstream oil sands funds flow when compared to the first quarter results, even though production was 75,000 barrels per day lower due to the planned maintenance. Our Q2 financial results reflects our solid cost and reliability performance and demonstrates our leverage to increasing oil prices. The E&P segment generated $410 million of funds from operations with price realizations of nearly $82 Canadian per barrel, delivering approximately $350 million of free funds flow net of capital expenditures. And finally, Downstream recorded approximately $600 million of funds from operations with 70% utilization, which reflected the significant turnaround activity across the refineries and the continued lower consumer demand. The profitability in the second quarter reflects the lower demand due to COVID restrictions, which were maintained throughout the quarter in Canada, and also the reduced volumes due to the planned turnaround activities. However, as Mark noted, we were able to partially offset some of the maintenance impacts by executing on our inventory build strategy we outlined in our previous quarterly call. Gasoline demand has steadily been improving in Canada, with Q1 at 20%, Q2 at 15%, and gasoline demand in July at 5% below 2019 levels. Diesel demand has recovered, while jet, current jet demand still remains 50% below 2019 levels. However, it is important to remember that less than 5% of our refined product volume is jet fuel. This improving demand trend, paired with our strong utilization expected in the second half of the year, gives us confidence in the operational and financial performance of our downstream business going forward. As we expected, our debt reduction in the quarter was smaller than Q1. We are managing our debt reduction and share buyback strategy on an annual basis and remain on track for our two-thirds debt reduction and one-third buyback strategy that we outlined as investor day. Apart from Fort Hills, which Mark discussed, the only guidance changes relate to updating the business environment. Strip commodity prices have increased since Q1, resulting in higher forecast profitability and cash flow. And as a result, we've updated the cash tax range for 2021. Lastly, I'd like to note a couple of items for the second half of the year. 
We expect to close the Golden Eagle sale in September. The production will continue to be reflected as part of Suncrow's volumes until the sale closes, at which point it will be purchase price adjusted. There's no change in our full year volume guidance either specifically for EMP or overall for Suncor. Secondly, we expect the tax refund for the 2020 tax year in the fourth quarter, which will reduce our working capital. Total cash proceeds of approximately $1 billion from these two items will be used for debt reduction in the second half of the year. Before I close, I'd like to note that we have updated disclosure related to our RAC forward business and our operating summaries supporting the financial statements, and also in our supplementary IR day. We hope you'll find this, addi this additional disclosure useful as it does add some more transparency on a significant part of our integrated model. And with that, I'll pass it back to Trevor. Thank you, Mark and Alistair. I'll now turn the call back to our operators so we can take some questions. Operator. All right. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Your first question comes from the line of Greg Party from RBC Capital Markets. You may ask your question. Uh, thanks. Good morning. Mark, I was wondering if we could maybe just dig back into uh, into, into four fields here just for us. Sorry. <laughs> just, just wondering if we can come back to Fort Hills. Does the timeline in terms of um, ramp up just in the in the first quarter present any issues and maybe could you talk as well just around when the when it became evident uh, around the instability uh, just in in the slope that you mentioned earlier yeah Greg thanks for your question um, so let me just step back for a minute on this because you know the, the focus is on getting Fort Hills fully ramped up to two trains and yes, that's been delayed until the end of 2021. So we're not expecting any impact in 2022 production. And, uh, and so we found out about this in July um, as, as we got later in the month associated with it. And this is really around focusing to ensure that the slope has 
stability and because as I mentioned this is a critical pillar between the south end of the Fort Hills lease and the north end of the Sincrude Aurora lease and because that mine face has about 60% of what we thought was the available ore uh, and it's not going to be available until we clear more of, the, uh, more of the overburden associated with it. So this is just a time issue. We don't think it's has any fundamental impact beyond just delaying the ramp up of Fort Hills to add that incremental production to what you're seeing in our results now. So that's kind of where we're at. And we this south mine phase after we've mined it, you know, it's it's just so critical that we don't want it moving and becoming unstable. Uh, in a lot of places, it's it's not nearly as relevant, but this is a very critical uh, piece of infrastructure going forward. Okay, terrific. Um, and I'm going to switch gears on you entirely here. Just to come back, I mean, you know, you're you're a part of the quintet on the oil sands pathways to net zero back in early June. You guys announced that. What are the what are the milestones we should be looking for in terms of you know progression and so forth? Well, it, it's interesting, Greg. If if you just step back, essentially, this is about taking the whole oil sands industry to net zero by 2050. Um, it's like I, I view this as an unprecedented collaboration between the oil sands producers. It represents 90% of the operators today, though I fully expect that we will have the, the remaining uh, operators join this journey as we go forward. There's one very significant foundational uh, set of infrastructure that, that we see is critical to this, and it's around building the carbon capture and sequestration capability for the industry. Uh, we think this is about 50% of the industry solution as we go forward, as we think to the future. And so it's really important. By working together, we realize we can drop the cost of this significantly because we can all use a lot of common in infrastructure and we can go faster and we can do it cheaper all of which I think is super important in this journey going forward. So if you look on the, there's a, a website now, the Oil Sands Pathways to Net Zero by 2050. And, and if you look on that website, you'll see the map of the carbon sequestration system and such. So you're, you're going to see that that's going to be a common piece associated with it. Other parts are independent. So if you look at it, there's a whole strategy there. Some of it's around carbon sequestration. Some of it's around fuel switching, like our cogen up north. Some of it's uh, switching to things like uh, clean hydrogen, like our announcement that we made in Edmonton. So some of this you'll see through the company window, but the big foundational project is, is what's being worked on. Uh, but we also have things like uh, sharing solvent infrastructure, clean hydrogen infrastructure, those sorts of things. So you're, you're, if you watch that website, you'll start to see more and more details come out. And we've just come out with some of the details around the carbon sequestration system. We're in the 90-day consultation period with the feds, and we're working to uh, sort out the details around the investment tax credits associated with it. So we're, ma we're making good progress, and we've been very happy with the cooperation between the province and the federal government. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks, Greg. Your next question comes from the line of Neil Mehta from Goldman Sachs. You may ask your question. Good morning, Mark Alistair. Good morning, team. I, the, 
The first question is around um, you know, how Fort Hills backs into the production guide. You did, you did maintain the 740 to 780,000 consolidated upstream number. Is it fair to say that you guys are targeting, based on what you know right now, the low end of the guidance range? Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair, Neil. Like, we, you know, the assets have performed very well, as I went through in my prepared remarks. You're seeing oil sands uh, year-to-date. It's in the high 90s utilization. Simcrude has a proven strong record post turnaround that we've, we've just gone through that coming into their turnaround in the second quarter. So with the completion of that work, we're, we're expecting that the assets will perform very well. So we're not, we're, we're maintaining the corporate guidance associated with it, but we're not at the top end of guidance. And, and so, but we're comfortable with the total guidance range. Okay, that, that, that's great. And then the follow-up is just around the buyback strategy. Obviously the stock has lagged peers here over the last to the better part of the last two years, uh, free cash flow yield is very robust. So uh, it seems like you guys are going to lean into the buyback and should average uh, to the top end of that 5% uh, limit. Just talk about your buyback strategy and how you take advantage uh, of the valuation. Yeah, Neil, I'll take that one. Yeah, I mean, we uh, if you look at where... Uh, uh, we're headed, uh, we're almost at 50% already executed. We've got uh, approval to go to 5%. Uh, we will be executing on that, provided obviously commodity prices remain uh, at current levels. So you'd expect to see us at the top end of that range through to uh, February of next year, in the buyback period. Uh, really, the strategy is more of a rateable uh, buyback through the period, which is why you saw us do $600 million in the quarter. We'll continue to execute it our way, obviously, within uh, the remainder of the buyback. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Phil Gresh from J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. You may ask your question. Hi, yes. Good morning. I wanted to follow up on Ford Hills. Um, your uh, one of your partners on the project was referencing um, some issues with groundwater, and so I just want to understand the technicals of this a little bit better. Um, you're talking about slope stability, so I just want to make sure I fully understand why um, this would be a one-time issue as opposed to a recurring issue. Yeah, it, it's interesting, uh, Phil. On the south mine face, it's just the south mine face, right? Like this is the one that we're building the corridor between the two mines. So the integrity of that mine face is, is important. Anytime you're building a dam structure, uh, it's super important that it have integrity and, and can be managed accordingly. Uh, water management in oil sands is a very common issue, and it, whether it's from rain events, but anytime you have soft rock mining, uh, we are getting egress, some egress of water from ground sources and such into the mine. So we have procedures to be able to manage it. Some events are more challenging than others associated with it. But, you know, this, this is common across, I would say, almost all of the mines, if not all the mines and oil sands associated with it. So this is following protocol. We don't expect this to be a fundamental issue any more than, uh, than what we've seen. And, and in fact, as we go north, 
and, and head into center pit and stuff, we expect the vast majority of this to diminish uh, associated with it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it needs to be managed. And, uh, and that's what we've done, and we have the procedures in place, and, and we're executing according to those procedures. So, yes, is water an issue? Yes, it always is, and uh, we manage it accordingly. Okay. Okay, thank you for that. Um, my follow-up question is just on, on OPEX, um, obviously acknowledging the strong performance uh, for oil sands overall. Um, the total company OPEX run rate is tracking a little bit over $10.8 billion. Um, you mentioned the natural gas headwinds, which I think everybody's dealing with, obviously. But, um, you know, are you still confident in, in the $10.6 billion guidance you laid out for the year that you, you gave at the analyst day? Um, given where the run rate looks and, and seasonality and other considerations. Thanks. Yeah, I'll take that one, Phil. I mean, if you look at, look at our year-to-date numbers, there's about $250 million in there of one-time, what we would consider one-time items related to restructuring, remember the big severance, uh, restructuring provision we took in Q1 uh, to do with our uh, uh, workforce reductions. There has been some additional cost in the first half of the year, related to some of the COVID restrictions. They're obviously easing, and we expect those to be significantly uh, less in the second half of the year. So we are confident about that trend for the second half of the year to be able to achieve that run rate of, of the numbers that are uh, that we disclosed in the uh, investor day. And then obviously, as you move forward into 22, 23, 24, the continuing trend downwards as we execute on our $2 billion of additional cash flow improvement plan. The other thing I would say on the uh, the gas side, which you correctly said everybody will face, is that, um, you know, we get a benefit uh, on the other side of that through our power revenue, uh, which is obviously tied to gas prices in, in Alberta. So we are, other than that power revenue is not captured in our OSG, it's included in our revenue line. Right. And just to confirm, the 10.6 billion guide adjusts out all the, the one-time factors that you were talking about? Yes, Phil. We, we expedited those. We focus more on a run rate rather than including one-time restructuring items in there. Okay. Thank you very much. And your next question comes from the line of Mana of Gupta from Credit Suisse. You may ask your question. Um, hey guys, my question is a little bit of a follow-up on Neil Mehta's question, but uh, looking at the quarter, I think you guys have given a guidance that 66% of the discretionary cash, that's post-dividend cash, goes to debt reduction and 33 goes to buyback. And when we look at this quarter, there's about $750 million of discretionary cash and 640 went to buybacks and 100 to debt reduction. So I'm just wondering if there's a change a little bit in strategy there, or you basically expect a billion in you know tax and Golden Eagle sale to come next quarter. So this was just a one-off quarter, and there's no change to strategy. Yeah, thanks, Manavala. Uh, allowing me to clarify, there's no change to that annual allocation, and it's an annual allocation, two-thirds debt repayments and one-third buybacks. So quarter to quarter, it will move around, and obviously Q2, we always knew we'd be impacted by the maintenance, uh, higher capital and lower cash flow in the period, so that's why we're looking at annual. But you're absolutely right, we have a billion dollars of cash proceeds coming in in the second half of the year from tax 
refunds and the Golden Eagle sale, and we're going to use those for the debt reduction. Okay. So a quick follow-up area is in the last one year or so, while most of the U.S. refiners have lost money, Suncor has been unbelievably resilient in its downstream. I think it's a function of your integration and how well you run, uh, and you've consistently generated like four, five hundred million. Now this quarter was lower. I'm hoping it is just a function of the downtime because I think your utilization was dropping to 70, and once you go back to 90 again, we'll get back into that run rate of five, six hundred million in free cash. Or was this anything else, especially happening in Canada with the lockdowns or something else, sir? Well, I, I think, Manav, it's, uh, it's really twofold, and, and you've touched on it here, is obviously we had all of our refineries doing turnaround work through this period of time. And you saw on Investor Day, we talked about uh, when you looked at refinery utilization, we said that we were 2x as profitable as the next peer when we benchmarked that from a cash perspective. That didn't count um, our, our rack forward business associated with it. So... The, the environment has improved significantly, as Alistair talked about in his comments as we go into the third quarter here. The turnarounds are complete, the cracking margins are robust, and, and demand has recovered significantly even in July versus the second quarter. So we think we're set up really well for the back half of the year, and it's just the fact that uh, between COVID and the turnarounds, you've seen a much weaker market in the second quarter. So, you know, we think we're, we're in very good shape to be able to uh, perform well in the back half of the year. And, and you guys are not even that really exposed. So uh, great setup for you. Thank you so much for taking my questions. Thanks, Nav. And there are no further questions at this time. I will turn the call back to Trevor Bell. Great. Thank you, Operator. Thanks, everyone, for attending today. I know it's a busy day for earnings, and we appreciate uh, you listening in. We're around all day if you have any uh, follow-up questions. Thank you. And this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.